Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, Sirius XM is paying billions to buy Pandora and the big way that Apple's new television shows will be different than what you see on Netflix or HBO. But first, rolling back the rules on for-profit colleges. So last week marked the 10-year anniversary of the start of the Great Recession, and one of the underreported stories from that era was how it sparked this massive increase in people going to college and other types of secondary education. Basically, folks either couldn't find jobs or thought they wouldn't be able to find jobs, so they took themselves out of the running for a couple of years, hoping they'd return to the workforce at a better time with more skills. So some of the increase went to traditional graduate school programs like law schools or med schools and community colleges, but the vast majority was new enrollment in four for-profit colleges. In fact, the number of for-profit students more than doubled between 2006 and 2010, topping out at over 2 million. So for a lot of these students, it worked out as planned. But for many others, it didn't. They piled up loads of debt for what ultimately became worthless degrees, or at least degrees that didn't lead to the sorts of jobs that paid off the loans. Basically, the schools misrepresented what they could do for people. The Obama administration reacted to this by implementing new rules that led to the shutdown of certain for-profit schools and debt forgiveness for thousands of students. But current Department of Education Secretary Betsy DeVos has been trying to roll back some of those regulations, basically arguing that they unfairly target for-profit schools. It's been a highly controversial move and one the courts have repeatedly slow-rolled, including a federal ruling earlier this month, and the nation's largest teacher organization has actually sued DeVos. Why all this matters is that student debt is the second largest category of household debt in America, trailing only home mortgages, with around $1.4 trillion in student loans owed to or guaranteed by the Department of Education. So what Betsy DeVos does or doesn't do could be as consequential for the overall American economy as things like trade or taxes. We'll be joined in a moment by a former Department of Education attorney who now works on consumer protection issues in higher ed. But first, this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days, it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined by Dan Zibel, Vice President and Chief Counsel for the National Student Legal Defense Network. So, Dan, why in the Obama administration, when you worked in the Department of Education, why was there this focus on for-profit colleges instead of just colleges? Well, I think, I mean, it's a great question and one that one that comes up a lot. And I think the real answer is, is that the administration was actually focused on all colleges. One of the things that we hear a lot about is, for example, the gainful employment regulation, which is one of the regulations that Secretary DeVos is rolling back. You know, one of the arguments against it is that it applies you know, unfairly to for-profit. The gainful employment rule is what? What does it do? Sure. What the gainful employment rule does is it sets out standards that apply to for-profit colleges and career programs at public and private institutions that basically tries to align the cost of college and specifically the amount of debt that students incur to the earnings of the program's graduates. It's a metric that that the department came up with that has been upheld numerous times by courts that basically says, is the program worth it? And if it's not worth it, then it shouldn't be something that the taxpayers are investing in. And when you say the taxpayers invest, that's key here, right? Because these are often federal loans, right? This isn't just somebody paying out of pocket. These, these are often loans that all taxpayers are acquiring. That's right. The gainful employment rule only applies to institutions that are taking 
federal dollars, and that's in the form of Pell Grants and in the form of direct student loans, work-study programs, things like that. But why focus it, and this would be the DeVos argument, so I'll play devil's advocate with you here. The DeVos argument would be, why does the rule not also, say, apply to a four-year liberal arts school where the person gets a philosophy degree and they can't get a job? I think it's really two things. One is that Congress set out in the Higher Education Act, when they were defining different programs, there are public schools, there are private schools, and there are for-profit schools. And that's sort of the construct that gainful employment is in, that gainful employment applies to for-profit schools, but also the non-degree programs, the career-focused programs at these other institutions. So it's really for the students who are going back to school to benefit their career, that's where gainful employment comes in. One of the knocks on DeVos and, and her trying to roll back these rules has been that she has hired some former for-profit college executives to DOE. Is, is that accurate? Yes, it is. So I'm curious, from your perspective, what is driving her to roll back these rules that seem to be relatively popular, at least with students of for-profit schools? Well, I think this is a, sort of a classic case of regulatory capture in some ways, is you have an administration that is staffed with people who came out of that sector and people who used to work for some of the for-profit chains, people who used to you know, have relationships with student loan servicing companies. And those are the people that are now implementing the rules, creating the rules that regulate those very companies. What's wrong with the argument she makes, which is that what's needed right now isn't rules so much as data transparency. In other words, if I want to go to a beauty school or to a three-year for-profit college, all I need to see is how many people make how much money afterwards, and then I get to make my own decision. That's a fair point to some degree, but it also assumes an accuracy that I think as we've looked at schools over, over time has played out, the accuracy isn't there, and that there are case after case where schools actually misrepresented to students, to prospective students, to the Department of Education what things like their job placement rates actually were, such that when a student is looking at a school, you know, it's one thing to look at a job placement rate advertised by a school. It's another thing to look at the correct job placement rate yeah. advertised by a school. So there was two things. We talked about this gainful employment rule. There was also something else about debt, basically kind of debt forgiveness if the school goes under. Is correct? Yeah, there's two things at stake here is what the department is doing now in something called the borrower defense rule, which sets forth the standards by which you know, students can get debt relief when they were scammed by their school. And a second piece that really governs what relief students are entitled to when their school closes, something called closed school loan discharge relief. How common is it for a for-profit school or a large for-profit school to go under or to defraud people and then be forced to go under? Well, I think it was increasingly more common uh, over the last few years, you know, largely, I think, tied to some of the growth in the sector. What's the chicken and the egg? In other words, is it that the government has decided that some of these schools, so take Corinthian Colleges, which is one of the biggest chains which went under a couple of years ago. Correct me if I'm wrong, that was tied to the fact that the government said they were defrauding students and misrepresenting the students, right? I think there was a lot going on when Corinthian collapsed. The immediate precipitating event was when the department put a, basically a 21-day hold on their cash, their federal student loan dollars flowing to the school. The school couldn't handle it, uh, and that is what you know, precipitated them going under. The cause for the department doing that was basically the, the school's inability to provide documentation regarding their job placement numbers. Okay, so I'm a student right now thinking about going to a for-profit college. What's the state of play right now? Is everything just sitting in the courts? And, and if I'm a potential student, how do I figure out what I may or may not owe, whether I should or shouldn't go to one of these schools? 
I think students have to do their research. They need to look at things like collegescorecard.ed.gov, which is the College Scorecard website, to see what numbers are actually out there. They need to ask questions. They need to see, you know, look at Better Business Bureau type complaints and see whether the school they're going to actually fits what they're doing. There is some indication that, that the department has put out there about gainful employment and whether schools were passing the gainful employment metrics. It's a tough thing to do because the recruiting techniques are, are very, very hard. Is there anything DeVos can do on her own right now that isn't subject to court, not official approval, but, but court review? Very little. I think, you know, in reality, with the regulatory rollbacks that are coming, I think people are taking a very hard look at what she's going to be doing. And in all likelihood, there will likely be challenges. Thank you so much for Dan Zibel, Vice President and Chief Counsel of the National Student Legal Defense Network. Thanks for coming in, Dan. Great to be here. My final two, right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique Smart Brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is that Sirius XM today said it will pay $3.5 billion to buy Pandora, the internet radio company. The headline rationale here is this can help Sirius really move from car radios to smartphones, streaming on smartphones, which is really where the bigger money is. But an interesting undercurrent here is that Sirius has spent the last couple of months lobbying and lobbying super hard against something called the Music Modernization Act, which would change how songwriters and musicians get paid. At the very same time, Pandora was lobbying for this bill, and the Pandora side won, with the Senate passing it last week, and it's expected to get to President Trump's desk in the next week or two. So I guess at least some people at Sirius, the new Sirius, which includes Pandora, are going to be happy. And finally, Apple's been known to be working to break into television, but it might have a little bit of trouble. The Wall Street Journal reports today that the company doesn't want any profanity, gratuitous sex, gratuitous violence, anything about religion, or anything about politics on its shows. In short, it seems Tim Cook thinks the way to beat HBO and Amazon and Netflix is to recreate ABC's old Friday night sitcom lineup, or something like that. Did I do that? I guess for Apple, this is the new counterculture. And we're done. Thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, have a great National Punctuation Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.